Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you're listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, all the way from New York City, we have Rabbi Rachel Goldenberg. Uh, Welcome. How are you? I'm great. Awesome. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, we're always interested in having anyone on our show who's interested in metaphysics, but especially people with religious and non-religious backgrounds. Um, But your, your, uh, uh, your congregation, is that the correct word? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty unique. Um, I visited it once with my brother who introduced us. So do you want to get into that a little bit, uh, what you do in New York? Sure. Um, so I'm the founder of a progressive Jewish spiritual community. That's really what we call it. Um, the, name is, the name of the community is Malchut. Um, and I'm a reform-ordained rabbi, um, but our, our community is not affiliated with any particular movement. Um, but is very much influenced by uh, renewal, Judaism, um, and um, sort of the intersection of mindfulness and Jewish spiritual practice. So yeah, so we are we're in Queens, um, and in normal times when we're in person, uh, we rent space all across kind of the western neighborhoods of Queens, um, and we get together to pray and sing and study. Um, yeah, I can tell you more as we go. That's, yeah, no, that's, that's great, though. And um, I think what I'd like to do is kind of get a little bit of your biography leading into how you got into that and started that. And then from there, I'll get into your actual in- independent beliefs. Um, so sure. growing up, were you raised Orthodox, conservative? What? Uh, how was your upbringing? So I was raised Reform, um, definitely a child of the Reform movement. My father is a Reform rabbi. Um, yeah, so grew up, you know... Th- my dad was uh, served a reform congregation for about 35 years in York, Pennsylvania. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, did you go to like undergraduate university and everything or? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I did a lot of the, the typical kind of reform youth uh, movement stuff. I was active in NIPSI. I went to a Jewish camp. I went to Israel. Um, and then, yes, I spent, uh, or so I, I studied um, at Columbia here in New York um, for undergrad, and I studied um, Hebrew and Arabic, wow. um, Middle Eastern languages and cultures is the name of the, the program. Very cool. And what era was that during? Was that like before our engagement with Iraq and stuff or? Yeah, it was, well, <laughs> it was after the first engagement with Iraq. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, right, I was there in the 90s, in the mid-90s. Okay, cool. Um, which, which is an interesting time uh, to be, you know, it was a time of, of great uh, promise and hope around peace um, between, the, between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and that was a big piece of why I was studying what I was studying, and then sadly, that has not gone so well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. still, I think that's, that's really interesting, and so... Yeah, I mean, you sound like a pretty typical, in a good way, in a very positive way, um, like young American who's, you know, learning about the world and culture and all that. So what uh, drove you into a deeper involvement with Judaism uh, from reform into where you are now? Yeah, Um, I mean, I I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily, I wouldn't contrast being reform with 
being deep into Judaism. Oh, That's good, good point. Thank you. Be clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was very deep into Judaism my entire life. Um, it's just that my focus shifted at a certain point. So, um, so I, you know, I was ordained at Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion in New York City, which is the, the Reform Movement Seminary. I served Reform congregations for 13 years, um, first in Texas and then in Connecticut, and. Um, and during that time, you know, became frustrated by the limitations of, of sort of the typical model of um, congregational life that was sort of membership based and um, very much about like the building and filling the parking lot with cars for fancy programs. And there was not a lot, honestly, of focus on, on spiritual practice. Um, and it was sort of like, well, the rabbi will take care of that kind of thing. Um, and I really wanted to build community around prayer, you know, of people who were committed to, you know, to Jewish practice, to prayer, to mindfulness, mindfulness meditation through a Jewish lens. Um, I studied at the Institute for Jewish Spirituality, and that really transformed my relationship to Jewish practice, um, introduced me to new more kind of ecstatic and contemplative forms of prayer and music. Um, so, yeah, and, and I also just um, was looking to be in a place where, where I could build a community that was on the younger side. Okay. A lot of established Jewish institutions are full of wonderful baby boomers, and mm -hmm. I love them, but um, yeah. I wanted to be in a place where I could really feel like I was having an impact on the future um more so um those were some of the reasons that's um, awesome and based on yeah, having visited uh only once i definitely noticed that it was uh, really a sense of community what you said i mean i remember singing I, i'm definitely um a subscriber to your philosophy and i was very impressed the one time i was there and um obviously i live in arizona now and i think i was living in california at the time but um mm. my my point being um one other thing i think that a lot of our uh, listeners they're not denominational in, in any one way or another but I think it usually surprises people when they hear that a rabbi is a woman and not a man. Do you want to get into a little bit of that? I don't think it's political so much as it's just different from Christianity, but uh, was that any different for you or yeah. difficult? Um, I mean, it's also different streams of Christianity have different attitudes towards them in, in mm -hmm. the ministry. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, so I was born in 1975, which was three years after the first woman was ordained as a rabbi. Wow, cool. Um, Sally Prezand in 1972, a reform rabbi who um, is wonderful and amazing and, you know, still alive and well and teaching. And um, and so I, you know, I didn't have a lot of role models growing up of uh, women rabbis, but definitely, you know, women in Jewish leadership um, and in Jewish education. Um you know, but I had my dad and I had that life growing up and I like it was and it was clear to me that that was a path I could take. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, it, honestly, like the decision to become a rabbi was pretty easy and natural and organic for me. It just it, it just sort of unfolded very naturally. And I found wonderful female mentors and role models more in my young adulthood and in college and just after college. Um, so, you know, my Hillel rabbi at Columbia was a woman, Rabbi Sue Oren, and then um, I found a wonderful mentor in Rabbi Ellen Lipman, who was the founder of Kolot Chayenu in Brooklyn, a progressive Jewish congregation that is not affiliated, that is very much an influence and an inspiration for Malchut. Um, so, you know, so the path 
towards ordination was pretty clear and and I, I'm just so grateful um, to the generations of women that came before me that made it a lot easier for my generation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, but I would say like, it's not, it's not all uh, rosy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily easy to be a woman rabbi in the field. Um, you know, you're not always, yes, yeah, not always uh, seen as an authority figure. Um you know, or honestly treated uh, respectfully. <laughs> so, you know, they're definitely um, issues. Well, and that's kind of a good segue into one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you is that um, I um, I respect, like, every guest we've had. I mean, we've had pastors, we've had uh, one other rabbi, but what I wanted to hear from you in particular was kind of where you see religion going in the future with progressivism, because a lot mm -hmm. of progressives, not all, but just a lot, um, consider religion to be archaic and like holding us back. And I, I don't agree. And I also understand mm -hmm. there. So what's kind of your take on all that? Wow. Um, I, I really feel that Judaism has so much richness and so much goodness <laughs> um, to give in terms of like supporting someone in, in, in their progressive activism and their work and their lives. Um, you know, just Jewish values are, you know, really support, you know, like the, the, the very core Jewish value of, of all human beings being created Elohim, in the image of the divine. I mean, from that flows so much um, good work that we can be doing around equity and, um, you know, LGBTQ rights and, you know, definitely influences my work in um, you know, the movement for black lives, racial and economic justice. I mean, those kinds of things, you can find so much support um, for that kind of work and those kinds of policies, um, progressive policies, you know, in Torah, in Talmud, in our tradition. Um, and, you know, I think for those who, who are politically engaged or, or, you know, see themselves as, as progressives, um, you know, to have a, a spiritual community um, that you can um, find sanctuary in, right, find comfort in, um, that, that can be a place that kind of nourishes your spirit um, and, and also kind of gives you Jewish language um, through which to really authentically, you know, express yourself out in the world when you're doing that kind of work. Um, you know, that's part of a big uh, role that Malchut, that my community, I think, plays in the lives of our participants is that it's like a spiritual home base. Yeah. Um, so, yes. No, that's <laughs> I, great. You know, I think there's a, there's a lot uh, that Judaism can say and do to, to support being a progressive in this world. That's a, that's a great answer and very compelling. And I, I hope people who hear this really think about that because I do feel like there's something off kilter lately with society breaking down with us's and them's and Judaism from the way you're describing it and my understanding of it is not an us versus them. It's a, like you said, all of us are created in the likeness. And so along that lines, along those lines, um, how, first of all, I, I know this is like a weird kind of question to ask someone who's literally a rabbi, but does every single stated belief of Judaism also correspond with your internal belief system? Or is there ever any sort of like dis, uh, disagreement? That's a great question. I mean, and I think actually, if, you know, once we get to like 
the coffin talk piece, I think this is mm -hmm. really relevant. Okay, cool. Um, you know, the, the way that, that I understand Judaism and that I think many liberal rabbis see Judaism, it's definitely like if you've heard of reconstructionist Judaism, this is sort of a, a reconstructionist idea um, from Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan. Um, so the idea of Judaism as a civilization, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so we are a civilization. We are not a list of, we're, we're not a creed, a creedal religion, right? Where there's a list of beliefs that you have to check them all off. And once you've checked them all off, then you're Jewish. Um, instead, Judaism is really, it's like layers. Like if you think about archeology, span right? It's civilization, layers of tradition and practice and philosophy and theology and law and stories and recipes and, you know, it, it's, it's much messier <laughs> than that. So in terms of talking about belief, right, um, you know, I find uh, as a Jew that it, it's not so hard to kind of, if you go inward and think about, you know, what is my relationship to death, for instance, right, or what is my relationship to uh, sexuality or, you know, any, any given question, um, you can generally find support for that in the tradition. Um, so, you know, for better or worse, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. I mean, you can find support for terrible things too, <laughs> um, in, in the, in the tradition and in the civilization, because it's, it's human, you know, and it's sort of humanity over many, many generations evolving in relationship with the divine and an understanding of the divine. So, um, I don't know if that really answers your question. No, that, I would say that like, yeah. it's pretty unusual for me to, you know, there, there are definitely uh, times when, when, you know, what I believe, what I ascribe to conflicts with an aspect of Jewish tradition, for sure, right? I mean, you look at Leviticus and, you know, the laws against homosexuality, for instance, mm -hmm. um, that, that directly conflicts with, with how I relate to sexuality and the fact that, yes, you know, we are diverse in our sexuality as humans and, and we should be able to love who we love. Um, you know, but there are other parts of Jewish tradition that absolutely support that idea um, around, you know, as you talked about, right? You yeah. know, that, that we are all created in the image of the divine, that, that it's not a mistake that someone is trans. It's not, it's not a, a moral uh, problem that someone is gay. Um, so, yeah. Well, that's um, a great, that's actually the perfect launching point into what Coffin Talk is about is morality as attributed to life and death and, and the whole meaning of it. So for you now, just, just you on the spot as you, um, what, <laughs> what is your opinion of the divine, of the divinity of, of the actual human life cycle? Um, do you think there's anything more when we, when we die? Um, I think those are two different questions. Okay. So, cool. so, right. Like, I mean, what's the relationship of, of my body to, to God or, or human life to God? I mean, I, you know, I, let me just step back yeah, um, and kind of give you the bigger picture and the, the ways I think about God. Um, what really resonates with me are more um, Hasidic uh, ways and Kabbalistic Jewish mystical ways of understanding God. Um, and in, in the Hasidic, the early Hasidic movement, um, the, the, the thinking there is that it, for many uh, Hasidic teachers, not all of them, um, that the, the divine is in everything and in everyone. Um, that, that God or divinity really is 
the process of the unfolding of creation from moment to moment in nature, in our bodies, in the world, um, in the universe. That is what God is. Um, not some separate supernatural being that is outside of the universe, um, but more, uh, yeah, this, this unfolding energy, right, of divinity that moves through us and moves through the universe. Um, and so when I think about death, um, it's not a problem for me. I mean, okay, existentially, it's scary, <laughs> right, to imagine that I will, I will change form. I'm going to change form. I'm going to, you know, I will breathe my last breath. And my body will deteriorate and it will go back into the ground. I mean, that's a very Jewish idea. We're not supposed to be embalmed. We're supposed to be buried, you know, in a very plain wooden casket. Everything is supposed to go back into the earth. Um, and so I, you know, I, that's what happens to the body. But I, I mean, I do have a, a belief or a sense that like there's something to a human that is more than just the body. Um, that, and, you know, that divine spark that's in everyone. Um, it doesn't die. It, it, you can say that it kind of reunites with the all of creation. With the, it goes back to God in a sense, but God being everything that is still here. You know, we all, like matter doesn't disappear. It just changes form, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that um, uh, we become, we're just, we go back into that process, that never ending, we hope process of, of decomposition and rebirth. Um, so, um, and you know, that, that is God. So then how, how would you answer the following philosophical question? The perception of evil, the perception of it as like this bad thing, morally speaking and ethically speaking, if all of us are, are divine and the divinity is in everything and it's all a reflection of the divine, how does that equate for you on a personal level when you see acts that humanity would consider evil or call evil? Mm. Well, you know, in Judaism, there's just one force in the universe. There's one God. Right? There's nothing that's not God. And that, you know, that, what that means is that there's no dark side or, <laughs> you know, evil, evil um, kind of being and, and divine being. As You know, all is within God. And so there is the potential um, for, for evil, Um implanted in every human being just as there's a potential for good i mean that's actually a very classical rabbinic idea mm -hmm. um that we all have this yetzer hara and yetzer hatov the yetzer the word yetzer means an inclination you know that 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 is in us we have we have an inclination we can choose um to to not act in alignment with what i do believe god wants right right mm -hmm. you know i think that Right? What, what God wants or what the divinity, what divinity wants is for this earth to be healthy mm -hmm. right? and to be able to feed all of the living beings that walk upon it. Right. But the earth still can be, obviously we've seen it poisoned, mm -hmm. um, stripped, um, perverted, taken advantage of, uh, consumed. Um, and so, you know, we, it's in our hands. It's in our hands what we do, <laughs> um, but we also have this inclination for good, right? For like, th there's a way to kind of tap into, um, I think, what we might call the divine will, mm -hmm. right? The will for good, the will for unification, um, for non-separation, 
um, you know, to choose not to go to war, to choose not to kill, to choose not to hate, yeah. <laughs> right? So, but we have, but it's all, it's all there and it's all in our hands. That's how I would That's incredible. put it. And I don't think that death, I don't think death is evil. I don't think those are the same thing. Yeah, you know, no, Because no, we're, sure. we're talking about death. Yeah. Um, it's natural. It's a natural, uh, you know, unfolding of being. <laughs> So how do you feel about, in, in Earth terms, um, how do you feel about, like, crime and punishment then? Because I'm, I'm really tracking with you. I just want to make sure that's clear. I'm asking questions to kind of challenge you because I'm challenged by these things. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So how does, that, how does that model fit in for you? Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, first of all, we have our, our Jewish text. Um, on, you know, that, that in some ways I think are very helpful in thinking about what do you do about a person who, who breaks the law, who doesn't make good choices, who hurts people, right? Um, and there are, first of all, there's, there's a process called teshuva, right? Repentance is usually how we translate it, but really what it means is, um, it means return, like, you know, that, it's sort of built into the structure of the universe that human beings are going to stray, mm. but there's, but it's also built into the universe that there's a way back. That's there's beautiful. a way back. I love it. Right. Into alignment. And, you know, like if you were to look at the Torah, there's all sorts of things that I don't agree with in there about punishment. I mean, we do have the death penalty. We have laws of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, but then we also have this concept of teshuva that really the, the larger idea is that, you know, there are ways for us to help people come back into, a, into alignment. And I would say, you, know, you talk about punishment, I mean, these days and thinking about mass incarceration mm -hmm. um, and the way, you know, in America and the ways in which our society is so violent and punitive, um, you know, I do believe in consequences. I do believe that there needs to be truth telling and reconciliation and um you know reparation there needs to be repair and healing and and people who do wrong need to do that work yeah. <laughs> um and we need to be kept safe obviously as a community um but but just to be kind of turning always towards uh, punitive uh responses to those who do wrong um i don't think is healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't think it makes for a more loving, compassionate world, you know, a more loving, compassionate world, I think would help somebody, um, you know, like would, would see someone who does wrong as someone who's hurt themselves, right, and would help them heal from whatever that is. Um, so it's a long answer to your question. There's no, no, these I are great. You're, about it. Um, You're yeah, doing very great. juicy um, for me. Yeah, no, and I, <laughs> And I know, um, you know, like it'll be in the bio we post, but you're married and you have children. So it's also yes. extra compelling for me when someone has children, because these questions like come up internally too, in the family unit, mm. like your child doesn't follow your rule. It's not a Torah rule, non-Torah rule, doesn't matter and all that. And so I'm not going to get particular with your family, but I'm more curious, have you been tested before you <laughs> went to Columbia at Columbia in Israel at any of these points? Have you ever been tested personally where you did feel a pull to be less than good not evil just less than good <laughs> oh of course <laughs> i mean aren't we all <laughs> um 
Sure. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I can come up with a specific example. No, I don't need a specific Was Judaism the answer though, or was it internally spiritual? Like what, what is it in you? What life force do you attribute to the fact? Mm. And that's why I brought up the family first is that you are, you know, doing this great community work. You are progressive. You, you do walk the walk. So my question okay. related to that is yes. uh, in regards to you walk the walk is when you were tested, was it an internal mechanism, do you think, or was it external, like Judaism? Like, which, what carries mm. you to the better decision in those moments? That's a, that's a beautiful question. <laughs> that's, I love that. Um, I would say one of the most powerful um, of teachings I've learned actually from studying Buddhism and mindfulness, and that is actually also very deeply rooted in Judaism, mm. um, is to ask, what would love do? In this I love moment? that. Wow. Wow. Right. What would love do? How would love respond to this moment right now? And if it's the choice to put drugs in my body, say, or, or smoke, or, you know, something that's destructive to my body, right? What would love do? First of all, it wouldn't judge me. Um, it wouldn't cut off the hand that's trying to, you know, I don't know, poison my body, right? But love would, um, I don't know, kind of surround me with support um, and and guide me and help me make my way to towards a healthier decision. It would it would. It would it would um, invite me to kind of contemplate, you know, how do I want to be with my body? You know, <laughs> how do I how do I want to use this tool of myself in this world? Um, you know, so yeah, or you know, what would love call me to do in a moment when I'm really frustrated with some of my children? <laughs> they're driving me crazy, right? Yeah. Um, they're doing something that that's not helpful. Right. Um, I, I could, and I, I first want to admit I have, you know, scream, yell, whatever, you know, um, in my better moments though, I remember, okay, they're hurting right now. Mm. Like, how can I embody love in this moment? What can, what do I hear? What do I sense in my child right now? They're hurting. They're lashing out at me, not because they hate me, but because they're a teenager and they're, <laughs> like in a lot of pain and confusion right now, yeah. how can I be with them in that? You know? So yes. Is it, um, is it a lot yeah. of pressure um, having people, I'm a, I'm going to assume something. I'm going to assume people assume that you're better than them. Not a lot of people, not everyone, but like, you know, someone on a plane is just like, Oh, you're a rabbi. They straighten their back a little bit. Maybe they don't <laughs> order like two shots of bourbon. Like, how is that pressure for you? How does that <laughs> I will say like very, you know, just speaking as me, Rachel, take off the rabbi hat and everything. Mm -hmm. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Like that really is what's going on inside of you. Like, no, like, like I was literally, I was on a wonderful Zoom call the other day with a group of activists and someone dropped an F-bomb <laughs> and, and then it was my turn to speak. And I was like, yes, you know, I'm feeling that rage. We were talking about the lack of health care in this country. <laughs> Make anyone drop an F-bomb. Um, and but like the minute I came out as a rabbi in that moment, the person was like, oh, no, I can't believe I said that word. Ah! And, 
<laughs> and so, yeah, it, it can be very hard for people to like let go of the baggage they have around the title, the clerical title. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know what your original question was, but that no, tends that's to be my internal yeah. response. <laughs> I, was a, I was a grammar teacher, so I get it in the same kind of direction. If someone finds that out, they, they're afraid to email me or let me see anything they've written. Um, but I mean, I often, I will say to people, like, I will sometimes meet a Jewish person on the street or at a party or a picnic or something, and they find out, and I'm just there as a person, I'm not there as a rabbi, I'm hanging out socially, they'll find out I'm a rabbi, and they'll be, they'll feel obligated to say, oh, God, I haven't been to synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> and my response is, I am, I am not a walking signpost meant to make you feel guilty. Like, that is not what I'm here to do. And I, and I often do say that in meetings like mm -hmm. I, I have to say it I think it does help like I am not judging you please understand <laughs> like there's no judgment here no guilt well that's yeah. that's beautiful we're running out of time but I do always like to let mm -hmm. you kind of have the last word and then I'll just say goodbye to the audience but um it, I, I feel compelled to ask you like what would be your overall advice to people who don't call themselves progressive and don't like that word, how would you like to extend the olive branch to those listeners? There are some of them, not all of them. So. Oh, that's a great question. I, what I would like to say is that as just, I, just what I just said before, right? No judgment, mm -hmm. no guilt. Um, you know, I, as a rabbi and as a person and someone who just loves to be in relationship with other human beings and to hear their stories and to listen. Um, and, you know, I guess I would just hope that that folks who are also looking for a way in um, to spiritual life, a way into Judaism, you know, that there is a home for you. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and that, you know, what makes this world beautiful and rich is that, that we're all different. Um, it doesn't, you know, like I, I don't see folks who are conservative um, as bad people um, or as doing things wrong. Um, I think that we, you know, we are conditioned. I'm, I was conditioned in the way I was conditioned growing up and became the person I became. Um, it doesn't invalidate how other folks emerge. Um, yeah, and I would just hope we could be in conversation with each other and be able to listen openly with each other. That is totally beautiful. And Rabbi Rachel Goldenberg from New York, um, thank you so much for helping us put another nail in the coffin. Um, as always, I am Mike Oppenheim, and you have been listening to Coffin Talk, exit interviews with the living, and we will see you soon. Walking alone, walking alone when I hear this song. Walking alone, walking alone.